I voted. Go out and vote. Hey, I voted. Go out and vote. Voting's important. I voted. It matters. Go out and vote. And vote we did. By now you know more people voted in the midterm elections, yet it was just short of all eligible voters. Nevertheless, voters spoke in record numbers and Congress has changed. Hey everybody, welcome to Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast about all things related to energy. I'm your host, Sydney Alvarez. Here to tell us how these elections impact your energy industry is Philip O'Brien. Take it away, OB. Thanks, Sid. Democrats have taken control of the House while Republicans still control the Senate, and we'll soon see how legislation gets crafted along with the Trump White House. Today we're here to discuss what that might mean for energy policy and legislation. We have with us Jason Litwack, Con Edison's Director of Government Affairs, and Christian Malanga, Con Edison's Manager of State Government Affairs. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, Jason, let's start right off with you. What do the midterm election results mean to energy policies? In other words, what can people expect to change or not to change at a federal level? I think people can expect the focus of some of the policy to change. As you know, on Election Day, the Democrats took control of the House of Representatives. They now have a, uh, a pretty large majority in that body. And they have said that they're going to focus on a number of issues, from ethics to voting rights to LBGTQ rights. But one of those is energy and climate change policy. They are going to reconstitute the Climate Change Caucus, which was disbanded in 2011 by the Republicans. Um, they feel very strongly about this. And they, in part, campaigned on it. That all being said, despite their best intentions, we have to remember that the Senate is still controlled by the Republicans, and um, the White House is controlled by the Republicans, and they have not seen... They do not seem to be very keen on advancing um, uh, progressive energy policy like the House does. So I think there will be a lot of good ideas, some legislation coming out of it, be it carpet pricing, be it um, uh, climate change legislation, but ultimately I don't think it will come to anything. Um, for the energy industry, I would say, uh, you know, we at Con Edison are a regulated utility. We're regulated by the state of New York. And... We take our cues from them, but we work very closely with our regulators, both in the Public Service Commission and in the New York State Legislature, to um, uh, to make sure that our customers are being treated fairly and to make sure that, that we're all kind of moving forward together for the betterment of the, of the state and to fulfill its policy goals. With, within this election uh, cycle, uh, a new phrase, somewhat new phrase came up, and that was climate politics. Could you just briefly outline what that means? I would say climate politics, writ large, um, refers to the split that we see in the American electorate. As you know, the electorate is, ve is very, uh, um, very divided. And climate politics is kind of the shorthand for the fact that Simply put, some people believe climate change is real and it's man-made and it's getting worse, and others don't. And and um, particularly, uh, and both parties use use the climate politics to, to to motivate their voters. So that's where what I would say the definition of climate politics is. Let's get closer to home, Christian. Here in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo easily won a third term. It was a historic election night in New York. New York City public advocate Tish James was elected as attorney general, becoming the first 
woman of color to be elected to statewide office in New York. And the Senate Democrats took control of the state Senate for the first time in 10 years and only the second time in over 70 years. What does all this mean to state residents and especially Con Edison customers? Well, with a Democratic governor, Democratic assembly, and Senate, we could see some ambitious environmental legislation coming out of the legislature in 2019. For example, environmental groups have called on the Democratic Senate leadership that's going to be coming into power in January to pass the Climate and Community Protection Act. Now, that's a bill that seeks to transition New York to 100% renewable energy by 2050. It goes on to require the Department of, of Environmental Conservation uh, to establish greenhouse gas, gas emissions limits, um, ultimately of 0% by 2050. Now, this bill has passed the Assembly three times, but it, but it has yet to pass the Senate under Republican control. So that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. I think there's a balance here that needs to be struck between the governor and the legislature, and that's one that furthers the goal of addressing climate change, but at the same time maintains safe, reliable service and mitigates as much as possible some significant financial impacts that customers may see. Now, now you mentioned an, a uh project that would require 100% renewable energy by 2050, but we also already have 50 by 30. Why don't you tell us about that one and how the two jive? Right. So I think the, what we've seen is a 50 by 30 goal that the state has, has laid out. And, and this is an ambitious goal in and of itself. And so, you know, we're seeing these mandates come down from the state um, and, and I think one way to address and meet these mandates and goals is an all-hands-on-deck approach. So, in fact, for example, there is legislation that was introduced in June of last year, and I imagine will be reintroduced in January, that uh, allows for utility companies like Con Edison to own and operate large-scale renewable generation projects. These projects could include wind, hydro, solar, um, storage, and, and it really could be a part of the overall solution. What about the energy policy uh, being espoused by Mayor Bill de Blasio, the head of the state's largest city, New York? Efforts are underway right now to make buildings significantly more energy efficient. You've got um, efforts to replace fossil fuel-based heating and hot water systems in buildings with either renewable or high-efficiency high electric systems. You've got a transition towards renewables. Um, and you've got, you know, a goal to reduce the number of miles driven in New York City wh while replacing vehicles to zero emission vehicles. So for customers, you know, hopefully this means cleaner air, a cleaner environment, more efficient buildings um, in terms of heating and cooling. This could lead to lower bills and ultimately uh, reach the goals that we're, that we're all seeking to do here related to climate change. Jason, let's go back to the national level. Several state initiatives on energy policy went down in defeat. What do you, what's your take on that? It's interesting. We hear a lot about how people are interested in, uh, in renewable energy, in limiting fossil fuels, and, and mitigating um, greenhouse gas emissions. Yet in a number of states, we saw proposals on the ballot, as you said, that that did just that, that called for, for a carbon tax, that called for increased renewables in particular states, that called for um, an increase in renewable portfolio standards. And each one of those was defeated, and not just defeated, 
um, in a, by a close margin. We're talking, uh, you know, 60-40. We're talking 70-30 in some cases, in one case in particular. And I think that's reflective of um, the fact that while people may want these things, the opponents were very successful at making arguments, be they on cost, be they on logistics, uh, or, or injecting some sort of uncertainty um, in, into the debate. Uh, and they also, they, a lot of money was spent on both sides, uh, but I would say more on the opposition in a lot of these states. And they just couldn't carry them. It also goes back to that old adage about it's not what people say they'll do, it's what they do in the voting booth. Right. Gentlemen, a good chat. I thank you both for joining us. Jason Litwack, Director of Government Affairs for Con Edison, and Christian Malanga, Manager of State Government Affairs for Con Edison. Sydney, back to you. Thanks, Obi and guests. That's our show for this episode of Plugged In. Remember, you can follow us on all of our social platforms. That's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Our handle is at Con Edison. If you have a comment about the show or wish to send us an email, you can send it at podcast at coned.com. I'm your host, Sydney Alvarez. Thanks for listening, and until next time. <music>